everybody, this is Kill2. Welcome to Bring. I mean, this is Less Than 10. I'm here with Blood and Feral. How's it going? Hey, man. Pretty yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Uh, super excited to have you on. Um, like, your podcast back in the day was a huge motivation for us to start one. Uh, we both listened back then. And so many people now know you as CCP Rise over Kill2. Um, but yeah, back in the day, CCP Rise was a, a prolific player and content creator making videos in a podcast and doing lots of awesome solo small gang content. So yeah, CCP Rise, welcome to the show. We've got a really cool show. It's basically centered around our guest. So we'll, uh, we'll start getting into it. Yeah. Uh, um, well, give me first, let me just say thanks. And it's awesome to see the torch carried on. I haven't caught every episode, but you guys are doing cool stuff. And it's always exciting to see, you know, people, focused on small gang and on small gang education and trying to sort of bring more people into the fold. So pretty pumped about that. Glad we can hang out a bit and talk about it. Yeah, I think looking back, like you're, I found you actually through Twitch and then Justin TV, which you know, before it was Twitch. And, uh, you know, one of the original like Eve stream content creators and being able to like learn tactics of like kind of separating people out by moving gates and stuff that like yeah it was like you garmin and Sutonia. those are like the three people i remember like learning a ton from watching videos of and stuff like that so yeah that's funny because that was at, actually at the end too of like what i think of as my content creation arc like i started in you know the days when most of most e-video content was still on the official forums like being shared on the um what was it called? Like creations and something. I don't remember. It had some funny forum section on the official forums. And there were people posting videos there that were hosted on Eve files. And they were in like, you know, it was just like raw AVIs or MKV files. You had to, I would spend all day like downloading them. them. Yeah, you had to download <laughs> and it would take a really long time. So someone would post something new, Farjung or um, uh, Kessa or something like that. And I would you know, sit eagerly, like waiting for half the day while it downloaded. It's pretty funny. And then, you know, I did, so I did some of that and then there was YouTube after that and then the podcast and the streaming eventually. Yeah. I definitely remember e-files from way back when. So what, what year was it when you started at CCP? It was, it was like 2013. Is that right? Yeah. I started Eve, uh, the end of 2006, start of 2007, and then started at CCP 2000, March 2013. Nice. All right, well, we'll just get into the first kind of segment of our show where we talk about what we've been up to lately. Uh, so I, as I mentioned there, I enjoyed Volta last episode, I said that. And uh, so I've been doing some Volta things, killing lots of caps, yeah, um, lots of success. every day. Oh, it's it's insane, man! How, how organized and effective that group is. Uh, really dedicated. But one highlight was uh, we we got we got wrecked uh, this one time. It was frat. Frat's so good at responding and then camping the Therahole. So, uh, as you guys know or may not know, but Boson's got nerfed recently. So Did this they? is a super interesting. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this is super interesting because uh, they camped our hole with a bunch of titans and supers. And we kind of warped around and eventually we just decided like, let's warp to the hole and burn the 30 or so K. And uh, some guys got through, some guys did not. I was the one that did not. I was dual boxing. So I think my 
my uh, dual boxing delay attributed to my death, but we act I actually got uh, no legions. Well, legions. Icky and legions, yeah. So yeah. Icky dual prop Icky's, and I had a dual prop uh, Links Legion as well, and then Zarms. So uh, land, I I hit the ADC on my Icky, but still died to a lance of all things uh, from a Titan. So <laughs> I guess they're harder to aim, but. I guess because they're narrower, right, than a boson. I think so. Yeah, and I was wondering actually when we did the boson nerf, if we'll just have to kind of go down the line, like if it'll be lances next. If, well, if they didn't yeah. get filled in all the same spot where the bosons were, and then it, like sides after, I don't know actually how good those are compared to the old bosons. Yeah, it, it's hard it to say. It's only happened once. So, but he did also lance his own facts. So. uh in like the two to three bill of really? our ships that got killed, he also killed like a three bill fax of his own somehow because they were all in the wormhole at zero. Pretty yeah, interesting. I was gonna say lances, while they're more narrow, they have a much longer range, and so that's where you can run into both collateral damage and you know like that aiming aspect is like a lot more focused than the boson ever was. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, lots of content like that, but I also did some small gang. So I was flying a dual prop, dual rep Cinnable that eventually died, but I was having a lot of fun with that. I, I haven't flown a lot of stuff that uh, can kind of pseudo kite and also brawl a bit, uh, which which the dual prop, dual rep Cinnable can. Um, so we killed the super blingy Loki. I was roaming around Losec with some guys from the, uh, the Tuskers slash Rubs public kind of small gang crew, uh, whatever you want to call that now. And uh, eventually died. We we had a fight on a gate, and a uh, a, ty a rapid heavy typhoon landed on the gate, and I was like two k off him after our target ship died. And I was just like, well, I'm too close to really not do this, so I just like threw threw in on him. And uh, man, his his volley was real. So that died, and then I took out like a 2012 Talos. <laughs> like I see that here actually. I'm looking yeah. at your Z kill. What are you doing in a Talos? Yeah, I was wrecking wrecking thoraxes and missing Enyos. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was fun though. I just wanted to be nostalgic and uh I was roaming with like a Tempest and there was a couple of frigs. And yeah, we came across a uh, Thorax gang and uh I kind of baited them a little bit by jumping into them and just they they saw me. I jumped into them, held my cloak while my gang kind of like burned towards me, and then I then I crashed gate and got one of them to aggress me, jump through, and then we took the fight on the other side. But we ended up chasing them off, basically. Um, they melted really, really quick. The Talos worked well there, but then got into a fight with dual Enyos and a uh, Deacon. And it was just, we didn't have any like uh, hard tackle in our gang too much. Like uh, it was just really tough to hit them, but they were AB, so I could kite enough that I didn't get tackled myself. Um, yeah, so that was fun. I, uh, I've been moving out of Wormhole, so that's kind of boring, but uh, I'm going to be moving into Thera to hang out with Pharaoh a bit, uh, not not be part of Volta, but just to kind of like duo roam, and then uh, also I'll be flying in low sec, doing back to my original frigate stuff, so it should be fun, um, but yeah, might make some content. Rise, have you, do you play currently, like, or is that something you're going to be doing in the future with the the changes to the dev policy like what what kind of thoughts around that stuff uh i, I definitely play i i mean my 
like how much I play is pretty spiky depending on what's going on at work and my enthusiasm level. I think like everybody, you know, there's a little ebb and flow to my activity, but um, I actually had some pretty good times. Uh, You've probably heard about Team Talos, my new team. Um, And when we formed up, we made a resolution to play, uh, do some small gang together, the few of us that are on the team. So I took them on some roams. They they hadn't done a lot of like small gang null roaming before, so that was pretty fun. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it was it was super super cool. We actually got some really fun engagements like the first couple times out, so that felt really good. Are you able to talk about what kind of like comps or ships you guys were were flying? Um, let me see. I'm trying to look through some of it. I mean, like pretty uh cheap tech one comps like um, no (laughs) (laughs) but like i think in one of them i was flying like actually maybe two of them i was flying a battle cruiser and then they were in like tech one either cruisers and frigates or um i know in one of them well i don't want to say ship types because i've gotten outed before from doing this from like sort of describing engagements and then people go and nerd on z kill and find me somehow so I'm a little paranoid about it, but pretty pretty cheap stuff. They're like, um, it's kind of funny at CCP. We often have, especially people outside of design, like engineers or QAs. So like on my on this team, we have a QA. He's pretty new to the company and hadn't played a lot of Eve beforehand. So um, you know, getting them in cheap stuff, they feel good throwing away is usually a good starting point. So they're flying whatever, yeah, assault frigates, yeah. tech one destroyer, stuff like that, and then. And that's kind of like the process, I think, with any new player that when yeah. I was learning, my buddy who had been playing for a long time, like he walked me through and he first things he got me into were things like Vexers and like, you know, T1 Cruisers. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how I learned, but had fun and grew from there. Um, I'm curious, like just for our listeners, there's two main things that kind of have, have gone on and we're really excited to talk to you about versus Team Talos and, and all of those things around kind of making faster transitions faster updates or, or or kind of more balance focus and the other is developers being allowed to or not what you you explain it yeah actually <laughs> like, i feel like there's been uh like both the the i'm not sure where the boundaries are on things right. where there's uh, not being anonymous or if you're actually allowed to disclose things or like what that yeah. interaction is the the old i think there's confusion about the old policy and about the new policy and i think also we're going to have some feeling around to see how the new policy actually works out but in the old policy um it was pretty close to saying no one who basically no player can know you're a dev the a lot of time people talk some people you know think that we weren't allowed to play at all which is totally not true i think a lot of people thought that the restrictions on what we were allowed to do were very harsh like that we weren't allowed to be in a nullsec alliance, which is not true. Um, it was just that you weren't allowed for that alliance to know you were a dev, which in reality created a really big barrier for a lot of folks because you had to like hide your IP if you're in the Reykjavik office, which almost everyone is. And you had to make sure your voice didn't get recognized. And you needed a character that was like clean enough to get through. You know, you basically needed like a legit clean character, not a character that had gone through our witness protection and had its corp history deleted and stuff like that. Um, so it was just enough of a hassle that a lot of people didn't bother. Um, 
And then once you were there, you know, you, you had to make sure to stay clear of any kind of political influence or leadership position or anything like that. Um, so people still did it. You know, there were, we had we had several internal corps doing a range of different things. And then we also had people that were part of the alliances they had been part of before they joined or had joined once they were at CCP. They just had to be a bit careful about how they did it. Um, now the policy is that we don't have to keep our identity as a dev from everyone we're playing with. And actually we control how much of the, um, like how public we're going to be. And I don't, I, I need to go read how it ended up finally being set, but I don't know if we're allowed to say like, like, I don't know if I can stream from a player character and be like, this is my player character. Uh, I'm just playing. Maybe I can, <laughs> but I know that I can at least, it's at least fine. Like for instance, if I wanted to join you guys as corp and I didn't want to have to go through like a really bizarre process of trying to hide my identity, I could be like, look, I'm just a dev, just, uh, don't make a reddit post about it so that it becomes like this big focus for everybody and i become like you know a kind of public object but it's fine it's like fine if you tell people it's it's not a big deal um which is super exciting to me because it means we can do things like when there's issues that we're trying to work on like say someone's working on like incursions um, they can just reach out to an incursion group and be like i'm hey i'm a dev i'm trying to work on this can you put me in a corp that i can get involved go start flying it right now uh, because we we get those kind of offers all the time but in the past we we wouldn't have been allowed to take advantage of them yeah that's really interesting so you still kind of like you know essentially you're operating the same but if you get outed uh you don't have to just delete your character essentially exactly yeah i got gotcha. you which is which is a really good step as long as i mean always the reason we've been careful about this is that there's you know potential for scandal uh, either perceptions of favoritism or um, perceptions of incompetence always worries me. <laughs> like once people, if people see us playing and they can see how bad we are, maybe they're going to be more worried about things than when they didn't know whether we were playing or not. <laughs> That's funny. Just a <laughs> killboard is just like solid red, and they're yeah, dude. doing balance mechanics, and you're like, no, please, God, please, no. Uh, I, I'm funny. really curious, like you know definitely like being able to make content for someone in your position where that was that was a hobby right like that that was something you got enjoyment from that'd be really cool i'm also like concerned in terms of like the eve community is harsh so if like people know that this certain character is a dev like i'm worried players are gonna seek that person out and like grief the hell out of them like that's my concern is <laughs> more than more than the other stuff <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that would definitely happen if I was, I mean, if I was streaming, people are going to come and harass me. But I still think it's actually a lot different than, there was a while where I was thinking about trying to play, and there was some talk internally about playing more just on our dev characters, so I'd actually just kind of play normally as CCP Rise. But that is, like, much louder, you know, everyone I fly by in-game is going to act like that then, is going to be like, um playing very weirdly because of it being a dev character. Whereas if I'm streaming, like, you know, maybe the hundred people watching the stream, some of them try to find me and jam me with a griffin no matter what I do or whatever. But at least for the most part, what's happening as I fly around in space is pretty normal, I would hope. But I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. I mean, maybe we find that 
it is pretty unworkable as characters get revealed they just kind of get hassled or uh whatever and it you know it turns out we need to keep some level of anonymity so that that doesn't happen but also maybe people just act fine and it's normal like maybe it's just like being a normal streamer like being um you know the same position that Satoni is in or Bjorn B's in or something like that i'm really hopeful that it opens up communication like in general cuz there can sometimes be this perception like oh well they're not involved they they don't care like and if if you're in an inclusion group and there's a dev playing with you to actively learn and get better and improve that system like that's really helpful to me yeah it could it could help um i don't know provide some sense of like authority or legitimacy or something although i have a feeling a lot of the time I I just I don't know I I feel like it will be ben- it'll be hopefully beneficial for us we'll get better information you know we'll have kind of closer proximity to the things that we're working on especially in certain areas where under the old policy it was difficult but also I don't you know people if someone's really mad because of how something works I don't think like them saying you don't play that's why you're doing this it's just a reason and if they can't use that reason there'll be another one because ultimately they're not satisfied and they're not going to change their mind. They're not going to be like, oh, I see that you do play incursions. I guess I was wrong. Like, no, they're still going to think they're right. <laughs> yeah, I just mean like the the avenues of communication will be more direct and, and kind of there, there will be more yeah. availability of being able to send an Eve mail or and, and kind of know that that person is going to be looking at it and, and that kind of stuff. Or Yeah. I think that's probably true. One another thing about this though that I hope the perception based on all our announcements isn't off too much is I don't expect like a flood of kind of outings of devs going, This is me, you know, come I'm gonna come play with whoever or you can come talk to me. I think probably most people I think for someone just sitting on the sideline it won't look very much different at all. I think for the most part devs will still be relatively anonymous but i think it'll change the way that they get into groups that they're going to play with and um change some of the things they're doing which is all really positive but it doesn't mean that like suddenly there's this catalog of you know dev characters you can watch what they're doing all the time i think a lot of them will like tell just the corp ceo they're joining or just their two friends that they used to play with when they before they joined ccp or something like that and that'll be enough to like make them feel comfortable get them into the groups they want to be in um but from the outside, won't change like anything. I don't know. Yeah, super and it, it, it'll keep them from getting accused and kicked for being spies. Because yeah, exactly. Guy is weird. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, with that said, like, do you think we'll see the return of Kill Two? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was thinking. I, I think probably I have to. Um, so I have Kill Two. But of course, he's like renamed through our witness protection, and that's a character I've been playing a lot and i was thinking it'd be fun to have a character that i can kind of join whoever like a character that's maybe not i don't know if it's noob corp or what but that i can just go on roams with kind of whoever as myself and i i probably can't just have kill two the name back but i can probably do can probably something have, have the same character and do something mimi and what, yeah what was that what was that Alpha Omega character that you had when you tested? That was that was super fun. That was like that was the most fun talk I've done since joining the company, and um, some of the most fun I've had playing too. It was called Alpha Vegas, actually. It was for my okay. Vegas Vegas talk when we were about to launch free to play in Clone States. 
Yeah, and I just and I, I remembered that character existed. I couldn't remember the name, and I remember you talking about like roaming around in like a thorax and just getting a random yeah. fight out in the very outer reaches of Knoll and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that was super fun. I was just trying to show that like the free set of skill points was enough to PvP, and I ended up getting like a ton of good fights. That was during the days of Sveeple oppression. I killed a bunch of Sveeples in my Alpha Thorax. Felt super good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so that all sounds awesome and uh, sounds super exciting. And uh, yeah, I, I would like to formally offer you a fleet invite <laughs> to, to roam with us then sometime in a trio of 2012 Metafits. So uh, you, don't have to, to me. you don't have to answer now, but uh, you know, just poke us, hit us up, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, set we'll it up. do. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and sort out this uh, this like a character I can use for that kind of thing. I think it'd be pretty fun. Absolutely. So earlier you mentioned Team Talos, uh, which we'll dive into this the specifics of that team in a little bit. But for now, I kind of wanted to touch on some of the recent changes um, and and kind of your thoughts on how they went. And also uh, what the team was kind of thinking when they came up with that. And the first one we'll touch on is the uh, the structure talk, the kicking over sandcastles, yep. I believe it's called. So one thing I liked in this, which uh, I know like I've seen positive and negative stuff on it, like, hey, this isn't enough. But it's nice that uh, Faction Warfare was kind of given a nod during this because there is one portion of the change that is specific to Faction Warfare space. So it kind of leads me to believe that um, the and that change for anyone not in the know is that uh, if if a citadel is in a space that is owned by the opposing faction warfare militia, um, the militia that doesn't control it cannot tether. Yep. And I've seen people kind of talk about how you know tethering isn't enough, but it's. I just wanted to comment on how it's great that faction warfare was kind of looked at in this because uh, you know faction warfare people, players kind of feel like they're, they've been left out. And uh, is there anything, do you guys, have you had any thoughts on on pushing that a little further to uh, like, you can't dock in it, not only tether? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't want to say specifically about that. We, the sort of general thing that's very easy to say is we're not done with faction warfare. Um, and we're talking a lot about uh, more stuff we want to do there. And I hope we can get... Um, an update that's like fully focused on faction warfare in like early Q1, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, I don't know about docking. Uh, yeah, we would have to like the, it's kind of funny. The tethering change actually fell out of we were looking at broader tethering changes. Like with with structures in general, there's there's a bunch of different areas where we want to make changes. They're all super complicated and hard to be sure that we're improving things. Um, but we really want to try and make changes because it's like obviously one of the biggest, I don't know, points of uh, discomfort <laughs> like uh, across the game right now and affects a lot of different areas. So it's something we want to work on. But um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of different sections of it. There's like time zone stuff. There's um, kind of structure spam and structure proliferation. And there's structures like as a conflict driver uh, you know how how does fighting over them feel in terms of like reward and incentive and how safe are they that kind of thing and with this set of changes obviously we're focused on the time zone part mostly but we were also trying to find uh, some changes to how low power works and how tethering works across the board and while we were doing that this 
this faction warfare change seemed easy and sensible to kind of fit into that group. And then the main set of stuff we wanted to do with low power and tethering everywhere, we decided to hold off because the the kind of couple options that we ended up with just weren't good enough, basically. So we decided to wait a bit longer till we could find something better, but the faction warfare thing was totally fine to leave in. Um, so I don't know. The moral story there, I guess, is we weren't setting out to work on faction warfare specifically with those changes. It just was like something that made a lot of sense to include. And I think if we we're going to make uh, more changes to structures in faction warfare, it'd probably happen while we were fo focusing more on the faction warfare ecosystem itself rather than just on structures at nice. which we want to do so like hopefully you know more stuff coming i i don't know about docking i have to like i just wouldn't want to say one way or another about it yeah absolutely um, but there's a lot of stuff in faction warfare that needs um needs changes that is a lot clearer i mean um you know faction warfare missions and lp lp in general is kind of a mess a tier system, um, potentially uh, gate sliding and some of the dynamics for getting into plexes, the plexes themselves and what ships are allowed in them and how the mechanics inside them work. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff we can hopefully get to with the scope that we're allowed on this team. But Yeah, I think one of the hopes around Citadels, at least for us as like small gang pilots, and I know that there's a, this hard balance that you have to consider when you're saying okay well if we balance for like small gang then how does that work at scale and vice versa but one of the things i always think about is like with stations that interaction around those modules and being able to entosis them as a yeah. small group those were always things that they they incentivized someone to indoc even like there was no real threat of like five dudes taking over a station really um especially if people were active there, but like being able to mess with their fitting services or those kinds of things incentivizes an undock. And then like, you know, depending on what goes on, you, you might MJD people off or bubble or bump or like station games or different things, but it created this potential for activity. And like, that's where like, and I, I understand the tether mechanic was kind of this trying to sort out, uh, shield mechanics and the safety with those so like yeah there's like the lots of brainstorms around like making it a module and different stuff but it's yeah it was like the that dynamic of trying to make those adjustments must be really challenging yeah it's super tricky and you you hit two different things that kind of i, I think have a lot to do with the situation around structures the first one is how there 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 was structures are like upwell structures were designed hopefully to cover the full spectrum of scale. They're supposed to be completely accessible and ownable by like random three-man goofball corp and high sec, but also by, of course, mega coalitions. And they're supposed, you know, supposed to provide some sensible set of objectives across that whole scale. Um, and then, uh, and then, like you said at the end, they're also fulfilling you know all the pos functionality all the shield functionality at least and it's just a lot to cover and so finding things you know a, a lot of the time if you push it feels like if you pull a solution towards something that 
makes a lot of sense in a particular situation, you destroy the functionality in another situation. And so one thing that actually for what you this this the thing you're talking about of having services to go and attack to get people to undock, to me that feels like something that's really would be smart to separate. Like if we can find a neat way to do it through the existing structure mechanics or something that doesn't add like a you know a big problem in some area of structure mechanics, cool. But that's a very easy thing to break off. And I'm kind of really interested in that. Like is there is there ways we can give objectives to small gang roaming groups? Um, well, or, or more from kind of more openly, what is the best way for us to give <laughs> uh, strategic objectives to force people to undock to small roaming groups? Yeah. And, well, you know, there's no reason that has to be part of Citadel mechanics. It could be part of all kinds of things. It could be, um, who knows? Yeah, all, you know could have yeah. to do with ratting and NPCs. It could have to do with um, flex structures like the Anselplex gates. It could have to do with um, resource harvesting like moons or rock walls or whatever. There's there's so many ways that we could potentially achieve that that um, it might be okay. even better to do it by not having, you know, not trying to force it through Citadel mechanics, which are already so problematic. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. like the ESS comes to mind. Yeah, is kind yeah. Of yeah. I, 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 uh, a lot. I was deliberately not mentioning it because it's like my my favorite. We might. I'm gonna. We'll see. I think the ESS <laughs> has a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all you're gonna hey, say here. Let's let's just. Uh, you don't have to respond, but like mandatory ESS that has to be anchored on its own, not in an anom, not on a structure grid. Oof. Sounds awfully sensible, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe a, a share function that also has a timer associated with it, stuff like that. Well, while, can't can't do it in a pod. <laughs> I don't, I don't while, anyway. while we're spitting on structures, though, one thing that that's always I've heard other people say this that kind of like it it bugs me that in the past you could bubble and undock, right? So like as a small gang, you could warp a saber or a dictor to the outpost and bubble up immediately and catch things warping to it um, because. It, like you the area you'd land was so much smaller you're more likely to get a drag but also that you could um bubble them if they were trying to undock while you still can do that on a structure grid just the weapon the weapon system makes it so tough and you know i'm, I'm not really looking for a response that would fix that or or any even i just wanted to kind of mention it because i thought it was a really cool aspect of stations and you still can do that in npc space but it kind of yeah. one of things you know I mean, all I can say about that for sure is that it's really touchy. There's a lot of, uh, I've heard a lot of that. You know, there's plenty of folks who feel that was a good camping people in and, um, you know, station games to some extent were like a, a good content producer because people make mistakes and people get pissed off and get forced into doing weird things. Um, but also there's a lot of people who think of it as like intensely miserable. And whenever we talk about anything that would move back towards some kind of um, some kind of station camping scenario, uh, a lot of people are really, really concerned. Uh, I've gotten existential threats about how, you know, everyone will quit playing if we make <laughs> hell camping possible again. And uh, so it's I don't know, it's tricky. Speaking of everyone quitting playing, let's talk about the Sino changes you guys did. <laughs> so the, the Sino changes had massive outroar, like massive. People were 
yelling and well, cheering and yelling yeah. both the same, right? So it's been a while now and I really like it. Now that I'm a Volta, it's like we know the Sinos are coming. We know the recons are coming. Um, before the changes, I was in a C2 Nullsec Corp roaming a lot. And quite often we couldn't deal with the the upcoming drop, no matter what. Like a, a cap or two was kind of the end of it. Um, but I, I really like it. Like, so I've seen a lot of counterplay. For example, the other day uh, I was... I had a saber, I was dual boxing, so my Icky was spooling on a target, uh, a Rourke on a gate that we caught, and we had a hick on him so he couldn't jump. So we had sabers on the other side with bubbles up, and they started warping recons to the gate to try and get a Sino in, and we were on the other side of the gate, and there was the, all these dictors like trying to scram and bump these recons so that they couldn't nice. get in. Like just cool, uh, you know, like yeah. little spur offs like that. So. From your perspective, uh, how have the Sino changes been? Are you kind of happy with the developing meta of of the Sinos and and everything, the gameplay surrounding I mean, that? Yeah, the simple version is I'm really happy. Um, it, you know, the what you're saying, the type of thing you're saying there seems to be the majority of what I'm hearing, um, both from like big FC type people that are either in the CSM or connected to the CSM, and also from small scale people that are very happy to have like a uh, better shot at knowing when they're about to get dropped and like have a better idea of what they can do to do something about it. Um, so that, that feels really good. I mean, it, it, yeah, it seems like just a much more interesting set of dynamics across the board. Um, I would say that I'm not satisfied with our like kind of analytics around if it, it was an improvement or not. Um, I was kind of hoping we'd see clearer indications and metrics, both for like capital kill activity, um, you know, the the kind of influence of the umbrella, um, number of you know carriers and works getting killed, um, ratting going down, uh, something like have some indication about um, sort of the macro impact of it. And so far, there's been pretty much you know nothing at, that we can see like if you were just looking at those kind of metrics you wouldn't really know that anything changed which is kind of bizarre one question i actually had because it's probably not a metric that you would track directly related to but i was curious if the use of sino inhibitors went up because pre sino changes we felt a lot like the sino inhib as an object really wasn't functional in the way that we wanted it to be but then i mean six days i think after the the sino inhib or the sino changes went on we had a fight we found a, a super we tackled it we got bubbles and everything but we got our sino inhib down super fast because we knew that it couldn't light right we knew that some other thing would have to come into light so we had that inhib down and what ended up happening was a recon made a mistake and warped in, got dragged by our bubbles, and landed like 30 off, and couldn't light. And so we killed that, and then we ended up killing the super. But um, that's, like, my curiosity was around the Sino inhib, and do you feel like the changes, while they weren't changing the inhib, do you feel like they've addressed the issues, or some of the issues that were around the inhib as a module? Um, definitely some, but I also don't think that we are against 
Like, I'm still thinking of making changes to inhibs because they still seem like they're kind of in a weird place. But yeah, I definitely think the sign of change like made you know the level of reliance on inhibs a lot lower. Uh, it's just because there's so many other ways to deal with the situation now. I'll give you some insight as to inhibs because uh, like in Volta, every time we tackle something, there's inhibs going down. And you mentioned uh -huh. uh, like killing caps under the umbrella. Um, and when we do this, we still take swings at groups like Frat in their prime time all the time. And the end result is we either immediately warp or we end up having to frag sirens and dromies and and escape that way. I mean, we don't shed a bunch of losses usually, but it's an annoying it's it's fairly annoying. So what happens is even though we get the inhib down, they'll end up bringing in a recon uh, at range mm -hmm. and bringing in a single long range Titan which then mm -hmm. immediately volleys the inhib and then they decloak a recon close up to us and like the sino mm -hmm. that brings in the 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 umbrella right so sure and like that you know that does get around it but also that's a i mean that's a relatively demanding set of stuff versus the old system so like you know compared to the old reliance on inhib inhibs that's still like a pretty big buff to your situation even though they can handle it it absolutely um, is. You're right. I don't think it's a complete solution. You know, I don't. I, yeah, I wouldn't say, you know, inhibs are just fine now or that whole uh, set of dynamics is like perfectly fine and fixed. But it's it's definitely a big move in the right direction. And by the way, since you brought it up, I just went and looked at number of inhibs deployed over the last year. And it's down since the change, but not dramatically. Like there's probably now, okay. you know, 75% as many inhib activations as there was the rest of the year interesting yeah that's really i huh yeah so one <laughs> one kind of uh one kind of thing i've heard a lot around volta and, and that group is that they'd like to see um in, in regards to inhibs uh right now a lot of its hp is is through uh hull and it's very difficult to rep so i mean yeah yeah it just needs some resist and normal hp it's not exactly not a big it's, it's cool big to see history. it's cool to see you on the same page yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I, heard, I i got it don't, don't worry about it <laughs> there's a there's a graph you guys on the recording can't see it but you guys can see the graph of inhib activations by week over the last year you can see the dip is when the sino change happened right mid-september late september oh yeah cool that's neat you guys have those metrics like so easily available yeah, we have we have a really awesome live metric system for a lot of stuff, but it's I'm increasingly frustrated that it's uh I want to start combining our analytics and our live metrics. We have like um a hard time tying stuff like this to any kind of like higher level trends or conclusions even though we have really good like I can get to raw numbers really quickly, but um we have a really smart analytics guys, but there's still a lot of their work's pretty manual and it'd be really awesome if like, um, like I really want us to figure out a way to say, um, like say, have some procedural way of saying what is a small scale fight? Like have some simple criteria for like number of different parties on kill mails or um, something and be able to actually track like how many fights are happening after we made this I know change. Because right now when I have to try and look at something like how many kills there's been or how many you know jumps there's been in a certain part of space or how much 
I don't know, of a certain capital ship has died, but I can't say like, were there more engagements or were there more fleets active? Something a little higher level like that. Right. Which feels like a unfortunate constraint. I gotcha. But we're working on it. We have pretty awesome, uh, pretty awesome data guys at the moment doing cool work. There's just so much stuff to work on as always. Yeah, for sure. So speaking more about capitals a little bit, um, we've seen nerfs to both capital application, things like the NSA, um, for it's been trending for like the last year. Right. So what are your kind of thoughts on, on general, like capital versus sub cap application? You know, you hear tons of things like delete hot Titans, um, you know, keep hot dreads, but delete hot Titans and other things like that. You guys uh, nerfed the effectiveness of the draw me semi recently, right? Like, so where, where are you at on, on that kind of application versus subs? I mean, still not, at least me personally. Um, and I, I can't speak for, for everyone. We probably need to, I'm actually starting to sort of kick up another round of like taking stock of where we're at and where we want to be for cap stuff. Cause I'm, getting a chance to hit it on Talos. Um, and I want to keep doing that. But for my sake, at least, I'm still not satisfied, but it's also a really tough, it's a really tough issue. We have, um, especially Supers and Titans as the like the aspirational ship in the game. And it's a game about spaceships and they need to be really awesome. But whenever we take that as the, you know, main goal, we end up with, problems which like we have now like the citadel rework just created a whole bunch of problems where their power is like super oppressive we know we're always going to have too many of them to uh expect that their cost or rarity is going to be a limiting factor um but when we whenever we try and move them away from oppressing subcaps we end up with a lot of disappointment and frustration for people who want them to be really awesome so it's a it's super tough um i think there's a lot of directions we can explore and for now i i, I would like us to keep trying to push towards um working towards a sort of rock paper scissors situation where supers and titans are very good against other capitals and structures but they're pretty crappy against subcaps and then subcaps are hopefully good against supers and titans which is the hard part to figure out we probably need something completely new to make that really make any sense um but are pretty bad against subcaps are you know still pretty bad against normal carriers hodreds um right, like uh and that i i think you're kind of hinting at things i've heard rumors of and mentioned at vegas i believe which is like the the heavy bomber is that kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Which I'm actually, I don't know. Well, I'm getting a little less. I've been. This is kind of a sidetrack, but I've been, I've been thinking and talking a lot lately about what leads to the kind of engagements and escalation chains that that are really fun for people, like the the kind of the ideal fight that we're all after, and something that seems really important for that is some level of commitment, um, both commitment in terms of cost and risk and then also like literal commitment to the field and um i think heavy bombers even though they have like the ability the kind of the ability for subcaps to punch up towards supers and um titan seems really valuable 
it seems hard to imagine doing that through you know if 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 we did something like heavy bombs from a relatively expensive ship that had to go into some kind of mini siege to make it work so that there was like some real risk represented where if then Bro, i got this put a heavy <laughs> bomb launcher on to and incorporate it with bastion on marauders yeah i mean it sounds <laughs> yeah, ridiculous, but it's actually yeah. <laughs> vain that I'm talking about because then, like, I don't know. I don't know how true this is, but there, I've been at least thinking about the fact that when we have mechanics like, like where bombers are at now, normal bombers, they're having a huge dampening effect on the ability to bring battlecruisers and battleships right at kind of medium to large scales because you just risk losing them outright. To bomber fleets um but nobody wants to risk having that it's not worth risking that happening because there's nothing good about having the bomber fleets on field either so you end up with neither comp getting used very much and they both do get used some but the overall effect of that like set of dynamics is kind of um, lackluster yeah it's like sort of um constricting to the activity that's actually happening um we were talking about this some recently with the boost change which is a really interesting case because um, someone like Pando, and Pando is an extreme authority, and I would not say that I know more about his fleets than he does, but would say that it's it's like critical to have Bushing as a way to allow engagements with um, the Umbrella and Supers and Titans. But on the other hand, they're so evasive that like. Yes, they give you ability to kind of engage something like a tackled work without worrying about losing much back in return. But um, the whole ecosystem doesn't, there's not much coming from that. Like, I, I mean, his roaming fleets are fun and people are enjoying that. But I think ideally you'd have a situation there where you can engage that work, but you have to make some risk for it that contributes to like a healthy escalation where people are excited about then bringing a response. Maybe both sides take some losses and everybody feels good about having had the fight rather than this like kind of disappointing cat and mouse, you know? Yeah, I think risk reward is always that thing where you you also as someone advocating for a certain playstyle, you have to say, is my risk equivalent to my reward, right? And right, that, right. That dynamic is definitely uh right. the, the the small bombers, like they they're really inexpensive accessible and very mobile and that's definitely led to at scale issues um i now i flew bombers in the at for a couple of years and i loved it but it was a lot more around the mechanic of the actual bomb launcher mm -hmm. more so than like its torp projection and those kinds of things and i think that was like really exciting and challenging for me as an individual player and that doesn't usually get utilized as much in a fleet dynamic. Um, there's occasionally those bombing waves when you're talking large, large scale, like static fleets, but that does involve a lot of this like warping and positional kind of gameplay that can be very challenging, but that's usually I mean, there's like an FC. Mastery in that and people absolutely love it. And I think that's a that's a you know a massive benefit. We get these huge moments for for coordinated bomber fleets where they wipe out a bunch yeah. of people and it's a payoff for like a week of work. And that that's really, really cool. But I yeah, I would agree with you that the 
the overall risk reward dynamics around a whole bunch of things at, at medium and large scale fights is is really bizarre and out of whack. And well, it's, that, those are also the things that are far more complicated to address because you change one thing in one specific dynamic and it's going to shift a, a new meta to a, to a different set of challenges. Yeah. What I'm excited about, though, is thinking about it more from this perspective rather than I think something like the heavy bombs I talked about in Vegas would emerge from thinking strictly about the power available to different groups and trying to balance from that perspective. Like, okay, okay, supers and titans are too powerful. How do we give a powerful tool to a small group that's trying to fight up at them? Without thinking about, like, that, that way of thinking gets to solutions that I think are often problematic because the risk reward considerations are so out of whack or the effort consideration is so out of whack or something. And so even though you end up with maybe some kind of power balance, you could end up with a lot less overall activity or you could end up with everyone feeling kind of disappointed. <laughs> like there's a gotcha. bunch of potential negative outcomes to just thinking about what can we do to balance the power level here? And I think that that has been sort of a at least for me, a default way of thinking for a long time. And I'm pretty excited about this applies also to stuff like ESSs and structure work. Like um, that's why I was talking about wanting these metrics for kind of having some live indication of whether or not there's actually more engagements going on. Because I would rather evaluate things that way than like, is this fair? Like, did we lower the number of structures? Like who cares? That's not um, as not as useful. Yeah, it's not as it's not as important as like did people actually have more fun playing Eve online? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one one kind of tool that I think has been introduced in the game in the last in the last while to kind of uh, fight up up class like fight against the umbrella a little bit. Something that I use a lot in in Volta that we mentioned is the Ikatursa. And just the Trevelyan ships in general, they tend to Yes. It, it's a weird example or situation where you have these ships that you can fight bigger fleets you can really put out a ton of damage. Some of them feel oppressive to some things. Like, uh, quite frankly, the, the Kikimura is fairly oppressive to the, like, just the tracking. Like, they're so good. Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> so good. But, but they're also necessary in some dynamics, right? I think they're doing a much better job on this this kind of approach that I'm talking about than a lot of other stuff that I've worked on, where they they are not making anybody miserable for the most part. Like <laughs> they're very powerful and they're very powerful in a pretty asynchronous way so that you can fight, uh, you know, your sub cap fleet against cap fleets and you can do a lot of different things with them, but um, it takes some investment. It has some clear weak points. It's costly. You know, um, I was talking with Gobbins about this the other day, the difference between like, okay, a Stuka fleet comes and ganks your Rorqual and on the way out, you catch like, a few of them, uh, whoop de doo But if you catch one of you guys' Ikitursas or Legions on the way out, like the one that you lost, that's a big deal. Like that, that's a very different feeling. You know, it, it feels like satisfying potentially for both sides. You came in and got your gank. They maybe picked off a couple really expensive ships, um, and everybody feels pretty solid. And then for the for the trig ships to be effective, they have to spend time committed on grid. You know, they have to actually spool up on something. Um, Exactly, yeah, and it's interesting because the Ikatursa is it's mainly used in Volta when we don't have the numbers that they have, like in the heavy EU. And at that point, you just go to Legions for the sole purpose of you can still execute the gank, but really, like 
people we're playing for the big kills, but also the you know the uh, the you'd rather the, get the incoming kind of fleet. Out of there, yeah, yeah. Right? And the legions can actually brawl. The Ikaturses really can't. Like if they right. send a fleet, you know, we usually right. will have to leave because they like a hundred mutants showed up. You're just outy because you're gonna get. You're gonna start losing ickies like crazy. Exactly, and they're just not good. They don't excel at uh, right. fast kill, fast repetitive kills, which is what you're looking for in a mid scale fleet, right? Yeah, I'm super happy with where they've ended up. I think it's insane that people aren't. They are so powerful. Like, uh, I was looking the other day at just the. We're, we're talking a lot about um, sort of weapon weapon design across the whole game. For a few different reasons but looking at just the performance of different weapon categories you know how our projectiles doing versus missiles versus hybrids whatever and disintegrators are doing like <laughs> they're doing like i don't know two or three times as much damage as any other weapon category right now even though they're on this like sort of exclusive platform with you know unique skill requirements and pretty expensive ship hulls and a mechanic that's hard to use they're insane, and yet nobody really minds. Like, I feel like if you, you know, just looking at how powerful they are, people should be screaming for them to be nerfed into the ground, but everybody's fine, it seems like. Well, I think hard to use needs to be defined a little bit because um, the tracking on them is so insanely good, and the projection, really, as long as you can operate within its optimal. Um, which you know can be can be difficult, but it can also be quite easy depending on your comp and setup and everything. You know the tracking, like they're so powerful. The damage is so good, and the tracking is like the tracking is what I think makes them like. Yeah. You know that it's so good. Yeah, I think we set up the tracking really good, assuming that the lack of fall off and like the fact the weapon turns off outside optimal would be like a pretty big drawback. So it made sense to have. Um. Also because we imagine them as being relatively short-range oriented ships that they would sort of need strong tracking, but it's pretty insane. It's probably much better than it needs to be for them yeah. to be uh, useful. In what about... Entropic locust rigs when? <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Not soon. Yeah, please no. What about... Um... <laughs> Specifically the AK Tirsa, but also probably the Vidmech in Abyssal PvP. Are you guys keeping an eye on those metrics? Because from what I've seen... Uh, I mean, Abyssal like PvP it... is just bust, though. We need okay. to just... It's a hard... Yeah, it's kind of like... It, I, it's I mean, always going to really... be a 1v1, so it's a very I'm excited. meta. Yeah, exactly. It's just going to be a super static meta. It's going to be dominated by people that spend gobs of money and... I don't know. We yeah. could put some effort in trying to make it so there was more chance of um, kind of a rotating meta or some kind of rock, paper, scissors relationships there. But it's not really, I mean, we just need to change. Like, I think that we just need to do a full new iteration of Abyssal PvP. I think we we threw it in. You know, I don't want to say experiment because we kind of say that for everything. But well, is you built we, out the the abyssal PVE and then expanded it to a PVP aspect, and maybe that needs an update. Because one one thing, uh, someone actually asked, we we I reached out to a couple different groups and we're like, hey, like we're gonna be talking with Rise about lots of topics. Anyone have questions? And one of them I thought it was a good question is, 
was around the idea of extending abyssal pvp to the three versus three area with frigates yeah i mean and i, I thought that was interesting that. yeah yeah we we <clears throat> you know we when we put in the cruiser one we talked about that It'd be really fun we uh there's a ton of fun things we could do i also always wanted to do some kind of um, Thunderdome version of it, where like you could activate filaments from anywhere and you'd be thrown into pockets with like up to ten other frigates, but it'd be like kind of always changing, and so you'd have like this more sandboxy, but still isolated and controlled. Um, but there's so many different. You could do so many different versions of it, and it's just a matter of like, do we at some point decide that's worth going and working on? And it's probably is. I mean, I think at some point we probably will. I think in general the abyss actually really deserves iteration um both the pve and the pvp it seemed like the abyss to me from outside right is i look at it as oh well this is ccp's experimental like area mm -hmm. and that's cool but uh you know i was like okay i didn't really focus on it very much and watching abyssal killboards it, it seems like there's there's like an okay amount of interest but i'm looking at the top 100 or so 150 people and then then it goes down in the number of kills that you know after the the 151st person it's like three kills in abyssal space so it's kind of like there's a very small selected yeah yeah that really PvP. focuses on it yeah yeah it's a super small group <clears throat> yeah and, and it was it was um an experimental area and um that paid off but most of the places i mean the most of the learnings from it or most of the progress from the abyss as an experiment has gone into like the invasion content and event content a lot of that gotcha. was on the art side it was on like what can we do with the visuals inside sites and how does that actually work out and how can we set it up and i think they learned a lot of cool stuff there which is influencing <clears throat> yeah, the invasion content and other new event content. Um, there's also a big hope that a lot of the NPC work in the Abyss would influence future um, NPC content, which I think is all of the same stuff is getting used or at least got iterated on and used in uh, the invasion sites. Um, but all the while, the Abyss itself has kind of stayed the same, which is funny. Well, I think it's safe to say, though, like mutaplasmids, from my perspective, have been really cool. What are metrics around that? Like, do you, do you guys feel like mutaplasmids are a success? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, yeah. I think there's there's weak parts about them that I would love to go and fix. I think it sucks that, uh, you know, crappy roles just kind of sit around and aren't useful for anything. And um, I mean, you can reprocess them into, you know into deck one mask yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. one, one thing i thought was interesting when you released that i specifically remember is is you guys talking about how uh how any changes made will will like be retroactive so if you have uh say like a warp disruptor uh that's rolled really well and you guys change the the, the stats like the range it'll affect any previous ones but we haven't seen any any like balance rolls yet like, is that something that's kind of on your guys' radar, or are you guys just pretty happy overall with with the outcome? Of yeah, that? pretty happy overall. Um, <clears throat> haven't heard really any feedback about going back and messing with any of it, and I've been pretty satisfied. Um, 
with where most of it ended up. I think it sort of showed that there's actually quite a bit of tolerance and flexibility in the way the balance numbers are set up in general in the game. Like, you know, everybody was really terrified about long range scrams or, um, you know, 150k lachesis or whatever. And then um, about speed creep from micro warp drive and afterburner changes. And I mean, I'm sure there's cases where <laughs> those things have happened and they can feel surprising or powerful, but it seems like for the most part, it's worked out pretty well, and um, I definitely like how it's affected, you know, trying to uh, fit and optimize, especially at really small scales. Yeah, and I mean, the blob is a pretty good balance for those super rolled ones, but <laughs> one thing right. I do like about them is, like, uh, before, say, you make a fit, and you're just like, oh, man, I, I like can't squeeze this, like, last 1% mm -hmm. power grid off. Now you could just, like, gravid roll tech 2 mods and and fix it rather than, like, run a cheap implant or something like that. It's just another cool yeah, yeah. alternative, even on the small, like, very cheap level, you know? I, I do I do really like how that's worked out. One worry of mine is uh, that, like, I feel like the place where we're closest to having issues is that it's really sensitive to cost in my mind uh, because at least at, like a, after it launched and for the majority of the time since the cost is in a really good place where you did have that option but you didn't feel obligated to it like i think if for instance if mutaplasms are all free it would feel like a pretty crappy system because you'd have to just do all this work to get things um you know rolled into a place where you had a more optimal fit um and you would just feel like you were forced to do that, even though it was a lot of just kind of grinding, um, waiting for the RNG to work out for you. And uh, like, for instance, with the damage control and assault damage control mutaplasmids that dropped from one of the invasion releases, they're so common that I feel like you're just sort of obligated to roll them, which can take quite a while to get one that <laughs> is how you want it to be, but it's so cheap that you're sort of forced to. And uh, if they were all like that, or if the whole sort of economy around them collapsed in some way, I could see them becoming kind of annoying. Uh, One but thought is that you could, like, I, I, I'm trying to think of implications on this, but uh, there's systems where you can, like, roll, and then you could see, okay, this is the result, and it will use the mutaplasmid regardless. But you could say, okay, I'm going to accept these results or no, roll again, and you're not necessarily using that item. But I, uh, that gets weird on the on the really expensive end, you know, the, yeah, the module I mean, that part of, a billion is, is the expensive right. part, not the mutaplasmin. And part of what I'm excited about with the whole system is that we've consumed a ton of, you know, basically consumed a whole bunch of items, um, including high-end items that otherwise wouldn't have gotten used. like. Yeah. I really like the idea that someone with a lot of money to burn, because when they do that, you know, if someone says, I want uh, whatever, a dead space rep that's super, super nice, and they end up burning through six reps to get it, the, the economies around those items are pretty narrow. Like, there isn't all that many of those dead space reps entering the game. So when, when we increase the level that they're, or the rate they're being consumed, um, that directly increases the rewards for the people running the content. And we're always short on rewards. Like we always wish we could make resource harvesting um, and at least certain kinds of NPC um, killing, not all of it, <laughs> not not Nick's ratting or something, but for a lot of stuff, um, 
like running the abyss, like exploration content, we really like it's really great to increase consumption on some of those high end items, which this has done. So I wouldn't want to do uh, like that was one of the big purposes of the system, I guess, was to make sure we're consuming or at least try to consume some of the kind of slower consumption rate items like faction dead space officer items. Yeah, I think it, it was a really good change. Um, do you think we'll ever see mutaplasmids for ship hulls? Maybe. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I was joking about this in Vegas, but we we talked about it a bunch um, with at the last CSM summit, and it kind of turned into a joke, but um, the CSM was just like so incredibly excited. <clears throat> and uh, we could definitely do it. I mean, the system handles it really easily. So it's yeah, just cool. a matter of deciding that it's something we want. I think there's some some definite, you know, potential drawbacks. We get some power creep. Um, we also make it a lot harder to tell what a ship's going to do. There's already such, like, blurriness between ship function. And the modules increase that a bit as well. But, you know, you can imagine having whatever ships that are yeah. supposed to be slow and now they're super fast or whatever like it wouldn't take much attribute change to start really screwing with what you could expect from different holes which i don't know right. you know maybe it's fine you would see that it's abyssal you'd know it's kind of a bit of a crapshoot guessing what it's going to do but i was initially actually on the very scared side of the mutaplasmid debate like before they were announced because i i started my first like two years of PvPing was faction warfare afterburner frigates where 30 to 50 meters a second is the the you know the knife fight that determines the win and so like that was like my my i was always just afraid that okay a comet is going to come in and have this uh abyssal afterburner you know and and that's going to be the difference and then I just it ended up being this thing in my head where I was like, oh, I I just have to take it into consideration. I look at their speed just like I was already doing mm -hmm. to try and figure out if they were doing links or implants. Yep. Um, and I think yeah, like that's... that's the same debate though around a ship hole is if the the like the speed or the tank or whatever gets modified, then it it stacks with skills and different things. And mm -hmm. be yeah, really and scary. I don't know. It's a weird topic because there's already like just the nature of Eve's fitting system uh, there's, and just kind of attribute system overall, there's such a wide range. You, <clears throat> you know, yeah, like you say, skills, sorry, <clears throat> skills, implants, modules, which just the, how the fit is set up, not to mention the quality of all the modules you choose. Like there's already this super wide range. So um, it's just another tool to affect that range and maybe even expands the outer edges of that range by a little bit. But, um, ultimately, you're doing, like you say, your process is kind of the same no matter what. And actually, with ships, in a way, it's it's a little easier to work around than with modules because with ships, the only way we could do it is have the ship type actually be different. It'd have to be an abyssal cruiser or an abyssal vagabond or whatever instead of um, like with the modules where it's a normal one and you don't know that they have abyssal stuff fit. So you would know just from gotcha. seeing them show up on grid that you should expect something different. Yeah, exactly. One other recent change we wanted to touch on and get your thoughts on was uh, one was the the JAG and accompanied um, assault frigate uh, speed nerf. So I mean, a lot like we we obviously loved the retribution. All the small gangers like the retribution. Great kiting AF. 
And pretty much all of them also screamed and yelled about the the Ram Jag, right? So um, we made some predictions before Vegas, and one of them was a, a Ram Jag nerf, but the speed nerf kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, could you kind of comment on, you know, where your thought process was regarding the the speed nerf as well to AFs? Sure. I mean, um, it's partly just from a general feeling that when we did the AF, you know, it was, I don't remember how long it was, a couple years ago now, I guess, we did the AF, maybe last, maybe a year and a half, something. We did an AF class buff after AFs ha- were irrelevant for a super long time. Like, they were really, really bad for quite a while. Te- uh, T3Ds were pretty much better in every single situation. Which is um, funny, because now AFs are kind of better than T3Ds in a lot of situations. Yeah, and there's really, I mean... T3Cs and T3Ds suffer from this so much where there's so much direct competition for role with um, another class and we just teeter-totter between which one, you know, there was such a long period as well where T3 cruisers were absolutely the subcap fleet choice um, and then now it's hacks and Lokis are still good but like for the most part they're out of the picture uh, and it's the same with with T3Ds. Um, so, but since that buff, I, I, you know, I think that we just went pretty overboard in how strong they were. And then the thing that really pushed towards that change was looking at uh, combat interceptors and trying to find a role for them and realizing that for there to be any hope of a role that fits combat interceptor themes, they need to be like strongly distinct from assault frigates in terms of their speed, which um, they were faster even before that nerf. To, to like all the assault frigate speed, but it wasn't that big of a gap. Like it didn't feel relevant enough, and that was just sort of a reason to, um, to push assault frigates back down. I guess the other thing being that, um, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes to the same that just assault frigates were too good, but I think they can handle it. Like they're still very good. Uh, we didn't get rid of them as a class with that nerf, but we made room for, for other stuff to come into the picture. Yeah, I think yeah. the jag still is pretty strong in terms of a tackle role um it's really easy to dedicate like nosing in into the highs and so it's that's kind of like one of those things we we've talked about inter like within our groups and within less than 10s discord and stuff it's kind of like hey so like where does this actually wash out and the other ones are like yeah they're good and it's just the jag that's like what uh, we don't know what to do <laughs> Some interesting, I just pulled up some more stats, by the way, just looking at activity for those two, for Retribution and Jag, since that change. Jag went down by around half the overall Jag activity um, since, yeah, well, yeah, since that change was in late October, right? Yeah. So it's down about half, and Retributions were completely unaffected. They're actually, okay. and just in terms of how many are in space, dying and uh, making jumps and um, people switching to them. It's kind of this combined metric for all those activity things, but they're just completely steady. Nice. That's good. <laughs> That's, I think sounds like the intended effect. Yeah, and something I kind of talked about too, like uh, I, I was a fan of the speed nerf on the AFs and it, just the general uh, way of going of kind of slowing down the meta. You talked about speed creep a little bit before, and I think uh, a lot of small gang nano stuff has been subjected to speed creep. And the end result is is uh, a lot of the larger ships. Like, you know, it used to say, like, 2K was fast for a cruiser. And now, like, 
right even higher than that so it kind of like i think slowing down the meta a little bit will help a lot of the slower or bigger ships that you know i want to be good to kind of slot in a little better speaking of this what do you think about uh just hacking a ton of speed bonus off of all micro warp drives like what if micro warp drives gave like 250 percent speed or 300 percent speed instead of uh 500 <laughs> percent well we so we have what would that meta look like <laughs> Oof, yeah, that'd be well. So I immediately think of of tracking, right? So now, in theory, you should be able to apply with larger weapons easier, right? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And also, your I don't want to say time to kill, but like your your reaction time to event gets uh-huh. extended, so you can make more accurate decisions. Does that make sense in the yep. in, a, in a time time frame? Yeah, and I mean related to that, everything that's positional, um, positionally sensitive and time sensitive gets much more powerful. Like placing bubbles correctly, for instance, uh, right. is yeah. way 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 easier. And we that, actually that, that we reminds me of. Yeah, we had a question. Uh, it says um, small changes that could potentially make huge impacts. For instance, having having like cutting in half. The micro warp drive and tackle mod cycle times and there's an example um that was actually kind of brought up by oris uh ap and he was talking about yeah, what would happen if you have the prop mod cycle and tackle cycle times better t- pilots would be able to manage heat and counter overheating against you know ram jags or other things w- using their their scrams um you know still very effectively because the cycle time is better um and but then heavy newts would then be very strong and would still be able to cap out like interceptors and things as they come into newt range. Uh, so it's like this kind of falls in that category, I think, of a small change like cutting the micro warp drive speed and it having cascading effects. Yeah, newts would be stronger because you wouldn't get as much out of the cycle before you were capped out. Exactly. Yeah, it's super interesting. It it's it would definitely feel like a, a huge shakeup. And uh I mean you could essentially wipe the meta like lots of like it'd be such a huge change, right? It, it definitely yeah. it's very interesting. But let's let's talk a little bit about your team. You mentioned earlier Team Talos. Uh so mm-hmm. I mean like super well received, I think, by like the especially the veteran Eve community. How how do you think it's been going so far? How have the two week kind of cadences? And I know that's not like a set in stone thing, but like you guys have seemed to be doing pretty good with that that kind of two week cadence uh, for releases. So how's it been going? Yeah, we managed to pull it off until the end of the year, which is pretty exciting. Um, we're actually the holidays are sort of messing up the technical two week. <laughs> uh, like it should be uh, two weeks from the structure release, which should be like December 24th, but we didn't even have updates then because it's Christmas basically. So it's impossible for us to deploy <laughs> on that two week cadence, but we have some really, I, I we have a Christmas present that you guys are not going to believe. Uh, I wanted to actually wait to come on this uh, to talk to you after you see what the Christmas thing is. Cause it's a, a, a love letter to small gangs, but Anyway, so we have that, and then uh, that will round out the year, which is really great. It seems like, you know, people are excited about it. People internally are excited about it. Um, it's going really well. I, 
you know, I feel like we have a lot to do and a lot of directions we can go. So it's kind of overwhelming. Like um, there's a lot of kind of system maintenance and love that I want to do. Like, um, you know, spending some time on faction warfare, on wormholes, on more ship balance stuff. Um, we have a couple other areas too that just have been neglected for a long time. But also we have the potential to do things like screw around with ESSs or um, uh, add completely new systems, which we have a bunch of weird ideas for, or do ship mutoplasmids. Like there's there's a whole lot of potential. We actually have some meetings heading into the end of the year to lay out some strategy for Q1 and Q2 next year to make sure they match up with the broader themes that you might have seen Berger talking about in Vegas, the the kind of uh, quadrants for the year. So we'll see where we end up, but I'm really, I'm really excited. Um, it's really, really great to be able to kind of have this goal of giving veterans, making sure there's something for veteran established players to look forward to on a consistent pace. Like that just feels like such a no brainer, but it just hasn't fit the way that most of our um, team structure has worked for the last few years. And I'm just stoked that we have the chance to do that even for a while. So just going to write that as long as we can, basically. And that's, and that's something that like a lot of the veterans uh, would be skeptical of team Talos, right? Because, you know, it, it sucks to say, but we've, we've kind of seen this before and heard this before where these kind of balance and quick iterations and stuff like that has, there's, there's teams for it, but then kind of, you know, time and time again, things, things kind of slip and fizzle out and, uh, focuses get rearranged so yep like is anything different this time or do you guys do you think that just if we see the benefit of it it will keep going is is that kind of the key or where are I you mean, there that? there's a few things that are different this time but that doesn't mean we're immune to that problem <laughs> like i i would not fault anybody for being skeptical and i would not be surprised or at least it would not shock me if somewhere down the line whether it's you know, hopefully not a couple months from now, but it could be, but definitely six months, a year from now, who knows? We, we have to adjust to what the project needs, what the strategy team needs, and those opinions and those people change. So it's just impossible to know. Um, but there are some differences. Uh, we've told, we've said a few times that we had kind of dedicated bandwidth or teams for working on balance stuff, especially. But in the past, those were, it was basically always a, an allocation to a team that was also doing something else, which um, is very hard to pull off. Like um, I was working, I, I was given kind of approval or bandwidth to work on ship balance stuff at the same time where like we were trying to figure out the skill trading deployment or the free to play design from the same team. And so it just has a tendency to get kind of overrun. And Talos is actually completely separate from any other work at that scale. Like part of our team description is to keep our scope small and focus on these types of things, um, which is a lot different than the instances of it that we've talked about in the last few years. So there is reason to be more optimistic. Um, but yeah, also wouldn't fault anybody for skepticism. <laughs> Are there things or systems that your team's not allowed to touch or look at? changing uh it's i mean the it's not that we're not allowed based on the area of the game so much um a little bit we have we do have some splits internally 
Um, like there's a big split between content and ecosystem at the moment. So it would be kind of weird for us to go on Talos and like make new dungeons or not dungeon, you know, I don't know what players yeah. would call the area, but you know, um, new sites, new PVE sites. That would be a strange thing for us to do. We'd probably have to do some negotiation with the content segment to make sure that made sense and fit their vision. So it's unlikely that would happen. Um, but more what our restriction is just scope. So like, I'm sure, as you noticed from a lot of the other CCPers talking at events lately, we're talking a ton about resources and like the resource landscape. And Talos is not going to go do a resource distribution rework for all of Eve because it would take several months to do that, which means our mission of like delivering at this this pace would be impossible. Um, so it's not that the area is off limits; we could make changes that affect resources, but doing something broader and like longer term is sort of off limits, at least as our mission sits now. Yeah, it's awesome. I've been I've been super like happy to see it like most people, um, you know, skeptical at first. And, you know, I, I hope that it carries on, like you say, and lots of good stuff happens. And a lot of that kind of trust feeling is brought back. That'd be that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I hope we can, uh, man, especially as we've gotten <clears throat> like moved like this last the structure changes some other stuff that we're working on for sort of near future and and capital changes <clears throat> it's so hard to make changes that were positive are good like it's so hard to know what the right solutions are and that has a tendency to slow work down or to at least slow delivery down like I feel a really strong urge with this whole structure pass. I feel a really strong urge to wait to be like, let's just spend another month talking about this and trying to gather more data and whatever we can. And I, but I really want us to try and stick to the philosophy that it's better to just get, do things and then be able to iterate. I think I have some player, some, some of the same worries the player base does where Sometimes I'm nervous to make a change because I'm not sure I'll be able to come back if it's messed up <laughs> for who knows how long. But I just I'm way more excited about uh, a setup where we do iterate quickly and because of that can make braver changes faster. Changes more like the Sino change, where we can be like, this is pretty wild, but we can do stuff to adjust it if we need to, and we earn so much by, you know doing something a little more interesting without knowing for sure that it's the right solution. Especially since when we think we have the right solution, we're often wrong anyway. So there's not a whole lot of value necessarily in waiting for it. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, as a player, you were a roamer, right? You were a small ganger. You, you roam around solo in, in very small groups. So if I was to ask you, like, how do you think we could encourage people to go roam? And not necessarily like, you know, game changes like uh but what do you think we could do as a community and and what do you think ccp could do to try to encourage people to go roam because it definitely feels like and the general trend is that roaming uh is kind of a thing of the past almost um oh it always feels like that yeah i know but what do you <laughs> I mean, think? let's just focus on how we can encourage it i made a whole personality based off like the idea of rescuing small roaming because it was dying and that was like literally 12 years ago. <laughs> and that was, well, to be honest, that was one of our motivations for the podcast too, is like, like it's a cool gameplay style. Like we definitely want to act as a resource for people and hopefully, yeah. 
you know, we we help promote it even even like one person, right? But like, so what do you think we can do and the community can do to encourage people to go roam? Well, I think what we can do and what you can do are really different questions. There's a lot of stuff that, that I wanna do um, on our end. I think a lot of it, like we were talking about earlier, has to do with objectives and sort of the way that risk reward is set up to incentivize um, roaming and how that works at different scales. So there's a bunch of work to do there, I think. Um, I think, <clears throat> I, I wish I could talk about Christmas, but I can't. Uh, but there's some other angles too that have to do with just the experience. Um, I've been really obsessed for a long time with the session length requirements associated with roaming. I actually talked about this um, with a group of roaming FCs um, before, it was pretty funny, before the warp speed update which they didn't know about at the time, but one of their biggest requests was to increase warp speeds just so that when you did take out subcap groups for small rooms, you could cover more ground, have a better chance of getting an engagement within a time frame that was reasonable. Um, you know, the entire industry has moved towards really accessible time frames for good content. Like, that's what, you know, if you think of PUBG or, um, I don't know, even things like Hearthstone or um Tarkov or I don't know they're like people don't have four hours to do 100 empty jumps like maybe they did in 2007 and I think there's a whole bunch of angles that we can come at that from I was actually really excited about multi-buy for that reason um if I'm losing six ships a day and then trying to get to zero zero for a fight being able to like in one click buy all my stuff is a pretty huge improvement on my session length Oh, yeah. I think multi-buy and multi-fit, those like quality of life, just ease of access things are some of the biggest changes yeah. on like the daily, like small things. You're like, oh, I don't, I didn't think this would be that much of an impact, but it's massive. Like, yeah, it's huge. Um, but I think there's, yeah, there's, there's other angles that we can come at that problem. What you guys can do or what like the community can do, I don't know, is a, is a tougher question. I, I think about the other I think about our end a lot. I also think there's something that's a huge barrier to me, and I don't know how much this has changed over time. It's hard. I'm probably biased um, in a lot of ways, but I felt like when I was coming up in small gang, everyone was really bad at Eve online, which made small gang a lot more attractive because it was like you didn't have to be a genius to get kills. And I think over time people have gotten generally much better. And it can feel really brutal. And I think some people would respond to that by saying that we should do more to have like structured fights or some kind of fair, you know, some way of making sure that fights were more fair. Things like faction warfare plexes, for instance. Um, but I also think that making everybody dumb again by having just new ecosystems somehow. Um, I really like the idea of, we, this comes up all the time, but the idea of um, something more like Abyss or um wormhole system effects that change like create unique metas but then hopefully have those have like random elements both in terms of where they are and how they work so that um you have a lot less like solved ecosystem and a lot more opportunity to like be better than other people without them having like 10 years of legacy knowing exactly how to fight in the environment that they're in yeah, I think that's a good point. And I mean, even just to go back, like to what we we're chatting about a few moments ago, 
more rapid sweeping change, like those smart people, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to adapt to that faster. And then the net effect is they're going to be fighting people who are unprepared for what they have or unprepared for the new meta. And, you know, that exactly. knowledge transfer is going to take longer and longer, giving the, the smart player a, a benefit. Right. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's super cool. We're always you know, at the same time struggling about against complexity creep, the game's already so hard to get your head around. And if it's changing really fast or if there's like new additions to the meta all the time, it's hard. But yeah, I think it's really important. I, I think when I was getting started, one of the biggest like leaps forward for me in terms of like how much fun I was having and how good my content was, um, was when heat was added. And it was a mat, this massive meta shift that took forever for people to get their heads wrapped around, you know, to figure out what it was good for. And like, how to change what to expect from ships who were fighting based on it. And in the meantime, since I was like putting effort in and adjusting to it really quickly, I, I like had huge benefits. I, you know, my results were way better than they should have been. And yeah, like, like you said, if, you know, we were doing that more regularly, putting in either new systems that took time to figure out or making big changes to the ones we have, um, it could go a long way to making, I mean, it's, you know, making all of that structured towards small gang might be a little tricky, but I do think small gangs are rewarded. You know, big fleets and large scale stuff has so much momentum. It's very slow to adjust relative to yes. some small group. I think on complexity, it's it's good to remove uh, complexity, especially bad complexity, but good complexity is, is good, obviously, right? So there's, yeah. there's definitely yeah. a difference there. Yeah, and it's tough. You know, it's a battle we're always waging to try and figure out what is what is bad complexity we can cut and what is good good depth that we want to keep or add more of it's not always clear in eve there's blurry line between the two but what about so the permadeath thing i think was something that was talked about at eve vegas or it was an idea that was kicked around it wasn't even yeah. like an actual thing per i mean i love i love permadeath just like even without any actual design or whatever, I just think it's like such a Eevee thing that's yeah. pretty compelling to almost everybody, even if they would never play any version of it. So this man plays hardcore Path of Exile, I can tell. Oh boy, oh boy, right? Yeah, you said Tarkov. Do you play Tarkov too? I don't. I actually kind of uh, mentioned it because I saw in Discord you were playing it, and I've been yeah. noticing that it's like creeping up Twitch lately, which is it pretty. Is. Well because a couple really big streamers started playing it more and more. Shroud uh, is like uh -huh. now playing it constantly. But it, it okay. all stems from they had a recent update about a month ago that added a lot of things. And so it now feels far more like not a beta game. And, and okay. a lot that's where a lot of that shift on like Twitch and streamers and stuff has, cool. has come over. I should go check it out because I have a feeling I would like it. Um... It's brutal, dude. Like... Yeah, it's so I've, good. I've been playing it for over a year, and and I like yeah. it's still. I have days it, where it I just super cry fun. after playing. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds great. me of Eve as a shooter. That's all. Yeah. That's literally I mean, it. All of the thing is the, the thing that all of us, especially probably us small gangers, is we love uh, tragedy and consequences, and you know, risk having things on the line. Uh, which is, I think that's like Path of Exile to me is basically just Eve 2 to me because it's it's funny. It's like a super different kind of game, but it has like really brutal consequences and incredibly complex systems and is heavily focused on economics as well. And so it's like kind of the same boat. It's like even though the gameplay itself is so different, it's got so much shared DNA. 
Indeed. Um, yeah. And cool. yeah, permadeath to me is just like the natural extension of of that set of priorities <laughs> because of I think because it's such a natural extension of what Eve is already about in a lot of ways. It comes up pretty regularly and it's it's always been interesting to me how compelling it is to people, even people that like for instance our entire marketing department <laughs> who is some of them are super Eve players, but some of them aren't, but all of them can be excited about permadeath. Like everybody understands the potential drama that comes from having it in the game. And uh and then people who are hardcore players are also really drawn to it, you know, streamers and um whether it's small gang people or just people with really big egos and personalities, like everybody understands there's some awesome potential. So um, I, we've got to do something eventually. There's a lot of debate about what the specifics should look like. Um, there's a version when we were talking, when we were talking about it at Vegas, we were talking about a version that would have like, um, like that the permadeath characters would be basically gladiators for capsuleers. Like they'd be entertainment characters. So you would kind of, bu- you would, build them wholesale like um it'd be like a packaged character with static skill points rather than something that trained and then you would be trying to like compete to have the best one but when they died they died um so they'd be more like an economic item rather than like a long-term character but be like an implant with a with a skill set kind of yeah yeah and you know you could have configuration with them and you could have some progression in there but Whatever, there's a million ways you could do it. And just having, I mean, now on Talos with this this mindset for fast changes that really rock the boat, I'm like, let's just put let's just put a permadeath checkbox in the character creator and not worry about <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That'd be don't, so brutal. Dude. Like, don't worry about giving people any extra incentives or any extra story. Just be like, here, like you masochists can do whatever you want and just leave it alone. And I bet there'd be some good solid content just from that. So who knows if we ever do it. Yeah, I was was gonna say, I mean, I'd probably hate myself, but at least one out of my three character slots on my account would be a permadeath character. How could you resist? I mean, especially especially if it had just little tiny bit of flavor, like um it showed up on kill mails with a tag that said it was permadeath or um you know what I mean? Like just had a little bit of flair, like just a little bit of added um like pride or ego or something uh i think it would it would have an audience i don't know if it'd be huge but um oh man what if there was a ship line that you had to enable permadeath to to in order to access there you go well that was like part of the original discretion discussion came around when uh drifters were were doing things and were coming into the game as like this new unknown entity so that was like a whole lot of the discussion was around that and like well you could be a drifter but you're permadeath and you know like yeah you're always flagged criminal and and whatever but it it was just like this really conceptual thing that was interesting yeah we i mean similar but we talked about another version at some point where you would you know you'd create a pirate faction character so it'd be like a sancha character or uh whatever blood raiders yeah maybe yeah (laughs) sure and uh and they they would have like um unique they would have skills that applied to pirate faction ships so you would fly mostly pirate faction ships that had like different or better performance than they would usually but then you have permadeath as a penalty um they'd have like their own skill line basically that that applied to that thing i don't know there's 
yeah it all sounds fun <laughs> but it's also hard it's like a, a tough thing to be like to make a case that it's going to be worth it especially if you want one of these bigger system ones like how many people are actually going to be up for this like eve's already way too hard <laughs> yeah that's a good point but, super interesting discussion though that's for sure yeah it's really it's fun yeah but we are getting to the end of our show here guys we're starting to run out of time so uh we'll just get into a couple shout outs little announcements last words and for mine uh i i we have started a patreon for the show so check it out if you want or don't either way it's cool just want to let you guys know uh, i'll pin it in our, in our discord so you can find it there uh i had a shout out for there's a youtube channel guy i think i've mentioned a video of his before but this one was very recent um his his channel is lockley theo and we'll put a youtube link i thought it was a really cool fight he, he's doing wormhole stuff and it starts with him multi-boxing two guardians and a leshak um and then like there's this whole escalation chain from the other side with megas coming in and then Eventually, like one of the guardians dies, but his Leshak has remote reps, so he's then like trying to keep another guardian in. His guys reinforce, other team reinforces. They end up with nesters on field. He reships like a guardian pilot to a Balgorn, brings it in to try and break the nesters, and it's it was like this really what seemed to be very even gladiator fight where they were, and also during that time they're like actively pulling the the enemy group like 30 or 40k away from the wormhole so they can't just jump the hole back and it was a really really good video a really cool fight so highly recommended uh to watch that and yeah so kill two thanks for coming and hanging out and talking with us and kind of lifting back the curtain and kind of shedding some light on stuff we really enjoyed it any last thoughts uh Happy holidays. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy our special gift to small gangers that I can't believe I got to actually put in the game. Um, oh my I, god. You'll just, have to, you'll just have to see. I don't know. Maybe nobody will be as excited about it as me, but I'm pretty stoked. Um, but no, other than that, it's been a blast. I feel like I talked a lot, and uh, hopefully that's okay with everybody. And uh, maybe soon we can uh, roam. Both with you guys and you know those of you out there listening, I maybe soon kill two meme version will be public knowledge. We'll see. <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. All right, guys, just remember it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it.